Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast. Spring training is finally underway, and the Marlins are off to a hot start without doing much on the field yet. Marlins owner Bruce Sherman addressed the media today for the first time in a while. Derek Jeter had been the face of the franchise, if you will, for most of the big media addresses, Sherman being seen here and there. But today, he did not hold back in Jupiter, wanted to make it clear what his intentions are for the future of the franchise and how important it is for him to separate himself from Jeffrey Loria in the previous regime. He had a few really good quotes that I think were powerful and bold. The first one was, the past regime is irrelevant, is what he said. And he is correct. The past regime is irrelevant. It's something that's been brought up time and time again. It's been a cloud over the heads of Sherman and Jeter and his entire group because of the mistakes that the previous regime made, because of the hole that they dug for the inherited issues that Sherman and Jeter knew they were going into, but I think they underestimated those issues. And I think they're frustrated with the fact that casual fans are not separating the two regimes. So he came out and he pretty much put his foot down. He didn't stop there. He said he does not want emotion, just business. And then I think the pretty much direct call out to Loria without saying his name was, and I quote, they were interfering with the day-to-day management. We trust in our employees. They're the baseball experts. I think that's pretty clear that he was talking about Jeffrey Loria, who notoriously interfered with day-to-day operations. Some of the biggest mistakes that the Marlins have made have now, looking back, been revealed to have been attributed to Jeffrey Loria. David Sampson now with his own show that I do not listen to, but I have seen tweets and heard little snippets of it, has pretty much come out and said, Jeffrey Loria was responsible for this mistake, that mistake, and that mistake, and how impulsive he was, and how pretty much tyrannical he was. He made impulsive decisions without consulting his baseball experts, as Bruce Sherman referenced, who he is happy to default to. And I think that's the big difference between those two men, and I think it'll be a big difference in the success that you see in the future and the mistakes that we hopefully will not see recur from the previous regime, which I think Sherman wants to put those fears to bed. Ultimately, Jeffrey Gloria was not a baseball expert. He was an art dealer, and that was that. Not a baseball expert, and a questionable art dealer to say the least, given that hideous home run sculpture that he put in center field. I'm not going to talk much more about Jeffrey Loria. I hope to not say his name for the remainder of the podcast this entire season. I just had to touch on it, given Bruce Sherman's comments, which I really did enjoy. And I hope that that was significant in showing that we're going to turn the page now. And it's all about the new Miami Marlins, the Derek Jeter, Bruce Sherman, Miami Marlins, not the old Miami Marlins that made so many mistakes. It's time to turn the page. And I think that should be the end of referencing the past. I hope it is. Anyways, this is going to be a prospect preview episode. I had to just open up with my man Bruce Sherman's quotes there because he was strong and he was comfortable today. And I really enjoyed what he had to say. As for the prospects that I will cover, it's going to be Jose Salas and Victor Victor Mesa. Two of the Marlins top 20 for me. Of course, two guys that are trending in very opposite directions. Victor Victor Mesa, who is 17 on my list, is coming off of a terrible year, to put it lightly, while just 16-year-old, now 17, I believe, 
Jose Salas is getting ready for perhaps his first professional season and just continues to put weight on, get bigger, grow quickly, and every video I've seen, he has looked phenomenal. I can't wait to get into him, but unfortunately, I have to start with Victor Victor Mesa, who I am not going to be too kind to. I have a lot to say about him, and let's get started on Victor Victor Mesa. So Victor came over as the number one international free agent in last year's, I guess two years ago now, international free agent signing period. He was the most coveted. It ultimately came down to the Marlins and the Orioles, and the Marlins were able to make some trades to get as much money in their international signing bonus as possible to guarantee the Mesa Twins as a package deal. Victor Victor got $4 million. His brother, Victor Mesa Jr., got $1 million, who ultimately may end up being the better prospect of the two. Of course, that was a super exciting signing. It was really important for this new ownership. It was pretty much, I would say, the highlight of all of the moves that they made after those trades. And something to get excited about for the fans, a Cuban player that projects to be a superstar, so we thought, or has the potential to be a superstar, and somebody that could ultimately be that folk hero for the local fans. Fans were really excited about it. I I think it was one of the most amazing things I'd seen when all of the diehard Marlins fans were coming around trying to recruit Mesa. He was liking their tweets. He saw what they were doing, which I'll get into in a minute because I'm now pulling back on some of the social media interaction that we saw from Mesa. I think it's indicative of some other issues that he has. But Mesa as a whole looked like a really good prospect. He has all the tools, really fast, gold glove potential in the outfield, had the potential for average power to slightly below average power, and they thought, by they I mean scouts, thought he had a pretty good hit tool. He hadn't played in about a year and a half, two years, roughly, because of time off between coming from Cuba to America, working out in between. I'm honestly not totally sure why he didn't play during that time, but he did have a significant amount of time off of baseball. He did look really good in the World Baseball Classic, albeit a small sample size, and he put up phenomenal numbers as a phenom, a young phenom in the Cuban League. He had the lineage. His father was a legendary professional baseball player in Cuba in that Cuban league as well. So all signs pointed towards Victor Victor Mesa being a really good signing. And a lot of prospect outlets had Victor Victor Mesa in their top 100 in the preseason. So what did Victor do in his first professional season? If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know, but you may have forgot how bad he was. So let's start with A-ball and high A-ball in Jupiter, which is where he started. 89 games, he hit 252 with a 295 on base percentage and a 283 slugging percentage, which is, as you know, abysmal. Then he gets the call up to double A, not because he earned it, but because they needed to open up a spot in high A, and there was a spot in double A, so he plays 27 games there, and he's even worse. He hits 178 with a 200 on-base percentage and a 196 slugging percentage. He had two extra base hits in 27 games there. So you combine those two, that is 503 at-bats, 10 extra base hits. He had 109 hits 
99 singles. I don't know if I've seen anything like that in my entire life, and especially covering prospects. 99 singles out of 109 hits. So clearly, the power was not there. We were not expecting Mesa to be a 20 home run guy. He's only 5'11", 165 pounds. But he was expected to be able to have gap-to-gap power with a little bit more 10 to 12 home run profile, maybe 20, at the very least gap-to-gap power. Most of his singles were infield singles or seeing-eye singles on the ground. He could not lift the ball whatsoever. So that was a huge issue for him. The defense was still there. He is phenomenal in the outfield. I will not take that away from him. And that's probably his saving grace at this point. I think the best bet for Victor Victor Mesa is that he is a fourth outfielder with a really strong glove. Why am I giving up on somebody after one pro season after he didn't play for a year and a half? I've seen just about all I've needed to see on Victor Victor Mesa. I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, one last hope in the Arizona Fall League to see if he made some adjustments from the offseason. But he really didn't. He hit a little bit better, albeit it's worse competition. 271 batting average, but only got on base at a 297 clip. He walked three times in 70 at bats and only had four extra base hits. So he really did not make any adjustments, did not improve much at all, and he is already 23 years old. He'll be 24 in July. So I don't really see any major improvements coming from Victor Victor Mesa. Like I said, best bet for the Marlins at this point is that he can just hit well enough to be a fourth outfielder. It's really disappointing, ultimately. I hate to be such a pessimist on him, but he has to be probably the biggest disappointment for the Marlins since Tyler Kolick, unless I'm forgetting somebody. It has been really frustrating to watch him play, especially because he has struggled on the field. But I've also heard from multiple scouts that watched him a lot during his time in the Florida State League that his makeup was a big question for them too. They did not love the way he carried himself on the field. They did not love what they were seeing in terms of the makeup. I know Victor Victor was very active on social media in the beginning of the season. It seemed like somebody told him to shut that down as the season went on and it didn't seem to help, but he definitely just seemed very caught up in the beginning. I think the transition was a lot for him. And I hope that he just needed to get his feet wet and he makes me eat all my words from the last 10 minutes. I want to be wrong. I really, really hope Victor 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 Mesa, excuse me, can turn into the player that so many teams thought he could be, especially the Marlins. But for now, I am not too high on Victor Victor Mesa. I could see a scenario where he slides out of the top 30 at this point because it's do or die for him. He's 23 years old, like I said. He's going to be in double A, maybe triple A pretty quickly, and he's got to figure it out because ultimately he could end up being one of those Rusney Castillo types where he's not even hitting as well as Rusney did, but ends up being a career minor leaguer trying to get up to the bigs, not making it work and going right back down and going back and forth. And that might even be a good scenario for the Marlins because right now he is nowhere near ready to play in the major leagues. He couldn't hit in the Florida State League and was even worse in double A. So let's hope he puts it together this year. Let's hope he made some adjustments. But for now, I am cool on Victor Victor Mesa. 
However, this is not a totally negative podcast because the guy on the other side of the break, Jose Salas, I am very excited about and can see him potentially shooting into the Marlins' top 10 prospects after his first full professional season. But before I get to the break and then Salas, we have a new segment with the Miami Marlins' Fantasy Minute, and I'm going to highlight each show for a quick minute. One of the Marlins players that I believe will have a good impact on your fantasy team this year, brought to you by League Commish. So my first guy I want to highlight right now, I don't think is too much of a surprise in fantasy terms or even baseball terms at all. Jonathan VR, he is the perfect fantasy baseball player. I think he's a top 30 to 35 fantasy baseball player, especially the fact that he's on the Marlins buries him a little bit, I think. But what he did in Baltimore... He can only go up from there. The Marlins have a much better lineup than the Orioles had to offer last year. A more cavernous park, even though the Marlins are going to bring the walls in a little bit. Much more space. He only had five triples last year. I expect that number to go up. The home runs may dip a little bit, but the extra base hits should go up a tick with the doubles and triples. With the extra space in the outfield, more runs driven in probably, unless he's slated always in that leadoff spot, which is very possible. But 73 runs driven in last year as hitting in the leadoff spot predominantly, that is insanely productive. And he gets on base at a pretty good clip too. He does everything you need. He's always going to be in the lineup because of his versatility. So you don't have to worry about days off, platoons, things like that, because he's going to start the year in center field, potentially. That's what we heard so far from Don Manningly. And that's where they're going to start him. But he can play second base, shortstop, third base, and he's a switch hitter. So platoons are not an issue with him. He will be in the lineup day in and day out. And a guy you can count on for your fantasy team to be insanely productive. I think the Marlins' most productive fantasy baseball player this upcoming season. That's your Marlins Fantasy Minute brought to you by League Commish. What are you doing for the game? A universal question. Whether the casual follower, the tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less but makes everything into a competition person, we all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports and League Commish exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. It's as easy as sign up with your preferences get matched, and approve of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commish by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering in the code LOCKEDON with no space in the referred by section of the sign-up form. The first 25 people to sign up using our code receive their first match free. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com. So here's the happier part of the podcast, the upward trending player in this double prospect preview, Jose Salas. We have not seen much of him similar to Evan Fitterer, but even less, I would say, because at least Fitterer played high school baseball in the United States, did some showcases, and then played a little bit in the GCL this past season. As for what we've seen from my man, Jose Salas, it's not much. There's no stats on him. He's only 16 years old, going on 17. But in the little that he's shown in terms of batting practice and some videos he's posted on his Instagram, you can see how explosive this young teenager 
could potentially be and already is. Like I said, Salas is only 16 years old. He signed for $2.8 million just last year. He was the 12th rated prospect in MLB Pipeline's uh, top international free agent ratings, but that is a little bit skewed in my opinion because typically the younger players are not going to be as high on the list. I'm pretty sure Vlad Jr., when he was 16 and signed, was right around 6 or 7 on that list and obviously the most projectable and talented. He was the, Salas was the 6th highest paid international free agent from that crop and that is pretty justifiable when you see this man hit or this kid I should say you see this kid hit he posts a lot of videos on his Instagram so you can see right there I would encourage you to go see some of the hitting videos that he has posted he shows off that left-handed swing he's a shortstop switch hitter but he only really posts videos of him swinging from the left side. I'm not sure if he's scrapped the switch hitting yet or if he's just only got right-handers to throw to him right now in those uh, simulated games that he's been putting up on his Instagram. The videos I've also seen on Twitter from his batting practice at Marlins Park. It is a beautiful swing that he has. A lot of scouts are very high on him. MLB Pipeline went as far as to say that they could see 30-30 potential out of Solas and slapped him with a 55-hit tool, 50 power. Of course, this is with a lot of projection in the future. It's really hard to grade out 16-year-olds. But the fact that he has a 6-foot-1 frame already and 150 pounds, you know he's going to grow and continue to fill out. And the explosiveness and whip he has on that swing, you can understand why they gave him those marks in terms of his hit and his power the 60 run is really encouraging because that's something that you kind of just have it's it's a little bit harder to develop speed later though it does happen the 55 arm and 50 fielding both play well he looks like a potential five tool all-around player if he continues to trend upward he has the bloodlines his father and grandfather played professional baseball in venezuela and he looks like he could be the best of the three in terms of what I saw from his swing, it's super quiet. I really like the power that he shows a lot of pop off of the barrel. It looks a little bit like a Michael Brantley type of swing where it's really quiet with the load. He uses his legs well. I could see a little bit of Jeff McNeil in him too, which is a nice little hybrid of those two left-handed swings. And if the glove plays at shortstop, he looks like the potential to be an elite middle of the infield player. But like I said, it's really hard to project these 16 year olds. So many international free agents do not pan out. And I want to make that clear. I'm not saying he's a lock to be a stud. Obviously look at the guy who we started this episode with Victor, Victor Mesa. He has been a bit of a disappointment right off the bat. He's a little bit older, had less time for the Marlins to really mold him. That's the thing that excites me about Salas is I think Salas's natural talent is just off the charts, to be honest. I'm surprised that more teams were not in on him. I think he was just a lock to come to the Marlins early on. He he was expected to go to Miami. They were the favorite pretty much right away. And so I think a lot of teams didn't even bother because he looks phenomenal in the video that I've seen. Albeit, I want to see him more in terms of a full season. I want to see what he can offer in terms of playing day in and day out against higher level pitching. I'm assuming he'll start in the GCL if he does come over this year. 
and the Marlins are not going to rush him by any means. But the fact that he is a switch-hitting shortstop with five tools and a projectable frame, how do you not get excited about this guy? This is somebody that I am counting down the days until he is in a Clinton Lumber Kings jersey or a Marlins jersey in the GCL, anywhere where I can watch him play day in and day out and see those tools start to translate into the game. I think you could go as far as to say that he is the most projectable shortstop prospect outside of Jazz Chisholm. I love Jose Devers. I really like Devers. But at this point, you kind of know what you're getting with Devers. He's never going to hit for power. He did show a real good ability to hit for average and get on base this past season, and he boasts a great glove. But the fact that Salas has so much to look forward to and you don't quite know what you're going to get is a little bit scary, but a little bit exciting as, as well. It's it's a not quite a lottery ticket, but you're looking at somebody that could give you everything or give you nothing, but I think he's a little bit more valuable than a lottery ticket in terms of what you already have with this kid. So for Salas, looking forward to him making his debut, not sure when that's going to be. We have not had a lot of info on that. I'm going to try to get any info I have on Salas and when he could potentially make his professional debut for the Marlins, but like I said, I highly encourage you, if you've not seen videos of his swing, Check out his Instagram. He's verified. It's Jose Salas with a bunch of numbers. I wish I had it in front of me. I would let you know what it is. But you shouldn't struggle to find it. He posts plenty of pictures of his swing. And there's a few on Twitter from Wells Duesenberry and some other prospect outlets as well. But he, he's a hard guy to find information on right now. But, you know, in terms of what I've seen, really excited. And I love how quiet that swing is. The amount of power he's able to develop for such a quiet swing has to get you excited. Usually, you're trying to quiet down the swings of young hitters with power. Look at Monte Harrison. That was a big issue with him, right? Physical player doesn't need to be so loud with his swing, doesn't need to have all that movement, and he quieted it down a lot. But with Salas, he's already there. He's already quiet. He's already simple, and it's only going to get more and more powerful as he fills out. So let's get excited to watch this guy. I hope he continues to trend upwards and surprises a lot of people. I don't think I'd be too surprised if he puts up a great first professional season. I don't think he will be in the GCL very long, given that he has a very mature approach from what I've read, from what scouts have seen. He has a mature approach. He does not chase out of the zone, and that should translate well, especially at the lower levels, to climb up to the higher levels, and that should keep him afloat when he's playing guys much older than him at the higher levels. So we will see where he ends up starting the season this year and when he'll make his pro debut. Excited to continue the coverage on him. And the Marlins Prospect Preview Series will continue as we get closer to the top prospects. It'll be 15 and 14 on the next episode. I will be mixing in some NL East previews as well and a surprise interview with one of the Marlins prospects that I know you all would be very excited about in the works coming up soon. So stay tuned. A lot of good podcasts coming your way. And as of today and moving forward, you can expect podcasts every single day for the remainder of the season. Yes, every single day, Monday to Friday. 
business day, I should say, going through the rest of the season. I will probably do some on the weekends as well, especially if there's a crazy game. But I'm excited to be the only Marlins podcast that is bringing you daily content. And that's going to be something I am honored to do throughout the season. It's going to be a really, really fun opportunity for me. And I'm glad for all the support. Thank you guys for everything. And let's have an awesome season. Thank you for joining me. And I'll catch you tomorrow on the Locked On Marlins podcast.